What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. It's a beautiful day on the plains. Uh, expecting some rain, but we didn't get any. It's a sunny day and a busy day for your boy. You know, I got an exam in a little bit, of, in a little bit under an hour. But that's uh, neither here nor there, as my friend Harrison Tarr, uh, host of TNT in the morning, would say. But what a week of college football we had this uh, this past weekend. Uh, you know, we had. I'm gonna start off with Auburn because I mean, breaks a 22 year streak against LSU in Baton Rouge. Huge win. Uh, Bo Nix, he definitely had the best uh, uh, game of his career. Best away game of his career, without a doubt. Uh, I'm going to start like a new award kind of thing going on on my show uh, called Dog of the Week. And for Dog of the Week, the the first dog of the week is going to be Mr. Bo Nix. 255 yards, one touchdown through the air. Also had 74 yards led the team uh, in rushing. Uh, led the team in rushing, of course. Uh, also had a touchdown on the ground. And not to mention all of the uh, Patrick Mahomes-level, Michael Vick-level kind of plays that he was doing in the backfield. LSU seemed that they didn't know what to really do once he broke that first sack or got away from that first sack or whatever. But that man, was, he, Bo was running for his life on three or four plays where he had to run probably a net worth of like 100 yards just to throw like a 15 yard pass and get a first down. Everyone popped off last week uh uh for Auburn at least. Jarquez Hunter had a great game. You know, he only had, he had 66 rushing yards, which is second on the team. Oddly enough, 53 of those yards came from the last drive of the game where he got himself a 44-yard run and of course got the game winning touchdown at the end uh at the end. And then you have Auburn's defense uh, in the first uh, first quarter and the second quarter, it didn't seem like they could quite stop LSU, but Derek Mason was able to pull them together and really uh, start getting pressure on Max Johnson. Uh, and the corners played amazingly in the uh, second uh, second half, forcing a turnover that sealed the game for Auburn with Mr. Bidarius Knighton getting that interception. A uh, great win overall for Auburn. This is a huge win. Uh, Brian Harson is now cementing himself as a an all-time coach in Auburn history just for beating LSU, which has not happened since I was alive, at least. 1999 was the last time. That's back when Cole Kublik was a Auburn offensive lineman rather than an SEC network analyst. So a little blast from the past for Mr. Kublik. Uh, but the other game's on from Saturday. Uh, or not Saturday. I'm going to start with the one that happened on Friday. Uh, Iowa, Iowa, number three in the nation now, uh, slaughtered Maryland. Uh, they forced six picks, five of which came from Talia Tongavaloa, little brother of, you know, Tua. Uh, what a game from Iowa. Their defense is legit. If there's going to be a Big Ten team in the playoffs this year, it's most likely going to be Iowa. 
Their defense is great. Their offense could use a little bit of work here and there, but overall the defense is going to get them to the CFP. It's all about if their offense is well enough for them to win the game. Um, we also had Oklahoma continuing their streak that they have of barely winning games. Uh, Oklahoma is now I they're still in the top ten. I can't I can't quite put my finger on what exactly their ranking is, but it's way too high for my liking. Uh, Oklahoma barely beat uh, Kansas State this past weekend, 37-31. That all Kansas State had to do was just get an onside kick. They had the momentum. They would have just went right down the field, got a touchdown, got the lead, won the game. But Oklahoma, of course, broke their streak of their back-to-back losses to Kansas State. Uh, but uh, I think this is uh, pretty much setting up anyone else to win the Big 12. I don't see Oklahoma winning it this year, especially with it being their last year in the Big 12. I don't see them winning it. I think Oklahoma State's looking pretty good. I think Texas is back on the ups after losing to Arkansas. And we'll we'll see this week what Oklahoma's really made out of in the Red River rivalry. But uh, more of that later when I make my predictions on the final segment of the show. Uh, we also had Michigan beating Wisconsin 38-17, to and I had to pose this question to many of my friends. Is Michigan actually good this year? Uh, Michigan has, of course, been the, one of the more overrated teams over the past uh, decade, really, or at least since they hired Jim Harbaugh. You know, they get 10 wins here and there, then they go 4-8, and eight, then they go 5-7, and seven, and they miss a bowl game. This is the year for Michigan if – if you're a Michigan fan, this is the year for you. Uh, you Your offense looks good. Your defense is looking good. Ohio State looks like they're having a down year. Their quarterback is – their starting quarterback is hurt. They're, Ohio State's still, you know, Ohio State. It's all about can Michigan put it all back together or put keep it together long enough to take care of – or to beat Ohio State. Uh, of course, they're going to have to go through Penn State, who's right now number four in the nation, and, of course, Iowa, who's now number three. But I think Iowa is on the – Iowa's on the other side of the Big Ten, so, I mean, it's going to be a battle of who plays Iowa because I think Iowa pretty much has their division in lock right now because they, they don't have to deal with, uh, like, Ohio State and Michigan and all of them, like Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan are going to have to deal with each other later on the season. Uh, but Cade McNamara is playing pretty good. I mean, it's hard to say how good Michigan really is right now since they haven't really played a tough opponent. No offense to... Washington, who lost to Montana week one. No offense to Wisconsin, who has looked terrible throughout the week. One of the most overrated teams from uh, from the preseason AP poll. You expect Wisconsin to be a 10-win team every year, but it just looks like this year is it. Well, of course, it's not going to be the case this year. They've already lost to a team I, I saw as very overrated was Notre Dame, and they got smacked by Notre Dame, which is embarrassing if you're a Wisconsin fan because under no circumstances should you lose by that much to a overrated Notre Dame team. So all you're doing is giving them a quality win and you don't want Notre Dame to be right back in, oh, well, at least we're a defeated kind of thing and they're going to go right back into the CFP. Uh, and then we had we had some upsets uh, in the SEC with Mississippi State upsetting number 15 at the time, now unranked Texas A&M 26-22. I believe this uh, we, I believe this is the uh, where we say A&M was overrated. 
they came into this year with way too much hype for a team that's gonna that was without their starting quarterback for four years and a lot of O linemen. This is a young O line. This is a young quarterback, and actually they're dealing with a backup quarterback with Zach Calzada, who's he's not playing terribly. He's doing what he needs to do, but at some points he's making costly mistakes like holding onto the ball too long, throwing into coverage. It's and A and M fans are not going easy on him either. Uh, but you have to say A&M's overrated. They're really – it's kind of like Clemson. I'll talk about Clemson later on the show in more depth, where this team was seen as such an offensive weapon and with the like match with a balanced, good defense. But looking at the offense after they've already lost back-to-back games for A&M, it's about to be back-to-back-to-back. Uh, but – A&M is just, their offense is not good enough for their defense to be great. The defense overall, it was ranked top three in the SEC in the preseason, and it looked it. But once you have once you have a, a stagnant offense that can't move the ball, those three and outs just wear out defenders. It just kills them. They're, they're tired. They're giving up plays. We saw it against Arkansas, where Arkansas had a lot of like big plays. They had like it was an 80-yard touchdown to, believe, Traylon Burks. And I, there was another guy. I can't remember, quite remember the Arkansas guy's name as I am well as I just bought an Arkansas hat, too, uh, before the uh, Georgia game, of course. <laughs> so kind of regarding that purchase here and there. But, you know, it's a nice hat to have. Uh, I also have to pose a question to the AP voters. How many teams does Coastal have to beat by 50 before they're like, oh, maybe we shouldn't just move them up one spot? I get they're a Sun Belt team. I get that the AP poll and the CFP just have absolutely no respect for the group of five teams. But come on. The Chanticleers are over there, like, like killing teams. I think they just won a 59-3 to to someone. And it's ridiculous that they're only moving up one spot during all this. They're outscoring their opponents right now 241-70. to That is... Scary. I. I mean, I'm. I'm an Auburn fan, but if we played Coastal, I'd be kind of scared. And by kind of, I mean I'd be very scared of Coastal. Their offense is legit. Their defense has trouble at times, but overall, that offense is just. They'll just throw it on you. They'll run it on. They'll do whatever they can to hit 50 points in every game, except for, I think like one of the games where they only hit scored 28. And that was their closest win of the season was 28-25 to a Buffalo team. That Buffalo's always good. They're one of those group of five teams you always expect to be pretty good. Of course, that's where Khalil Mack, one of the best edge rushers in uh, the NFL, went. So you always expect them to play well against these good teams. And, you know, maybe you just, like, look, you prepare for the next week too much that you just kind of get slipped up. That's what happened with Auburn with Georgia State last week where we kind of were looking more towards LSU throughout the week that uh, – Georgia State just kind of snuck up on us and almost won, even though they probably should have won. Uh, also look at the Pac-12. I can't tell if they're good or bad or not. It's it's a weird thing because, you know, you have Arizona State beating UCLA. You have UCLA beating Stanford. And then you have Stanford beating Oregon last week. They're just beating each other up, and I can't tell if Stanford is also a team where I'm kind of confused by them because they'll either play really good or they'll play really bad, and it like alternates weeks. 
Like, I picked Oregon last week, but I should have known that since Stanford won the previous – or since they lost the previous week, they were going to play a great against uh, Oregon. But Oregon was projected to be in, like, the CFP right now. They were they were going to run away with the Pac-12, and they just lose to Stanford in o- overtime. And UCLA kind of fell off. Arizona State's kind of on the rise a little bit, but it's kind of a question mark right now on if they're actually that good or it's just the Pac-12. Because the, they get – the Pac-12 teams are just getting hot at weird times, and they, they get hot for, like, a game, and then they get cold, and just vicious cycle. But – oh, and, of course, you know, you have Washington being Washington over there, a team that was projected to finish second in the Pac-12, as always. But it just turns out they're not good. They got a good win against Cal, but there's no easy way to really get rid of that giant smudge on your uh, record that is losing to an FCS opponent when you were a top-ranked team. Or not top-ranked, but you you were high enough in the top 25. You were getting looks. You were supposed to be the you're supposed to be uh back in the CFP this year. You're supposed to take care of Oregon and just go back into the playoffs where they probably again lose to Alabama. But, you know, what can you do? And then uh, the last thing I found out this week was, is Tennessee good? I know they just they just released some blackout uniforms, which they will be playing, playing, planning to wear against South Carolina. And those uniforms look good. Uh, I, I love blackout uniforms, but I have to wonder, is Tennessee actually good? They have games where they play really well. They have games where they play really bad. They just scored 62 against the SEC team. But without we saw them lose to Florida as well. But once we see them play like a, I want to see how they play against a Georgia, like a Kentucky, all those teams. Because I I'm still on the fence. I I ranked them fairly high whenever I power ranked my SEC uh, teams. You could find that on my Twitter at your boy the tank, boys spelled with an I, and it's all lowercase. Uh, I put them like in my top seven, but. Or not my toss. I put them. I put them at eight. They had a big jump from what they did. Uh, it's it's a weird situation for Tennessee because they look really good, but then I just know that if I ever say, "Oh well, you know Tennessee looks good," they're just gonna turn around and just n- well lose. I guess that's the better term to use is just lose. But we're coming up on a break. When we come back, I will talk about more college football. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. We're back on the second se- second uh, segment of the show where I'm going to be looking at the four top ten teams that lost this weekend. This is a very if, – if anyone remembers the 2007 football season, there were a lot of upsets. That, of course, was, I believe, the year that App State beat Michigan State – or not Michigan State, just beat Michigan by the field goal. 07 was full of upsets. There was a, a number two team lost at least – like seven, eight times that year. USF is University of Southern Florida was able to be a number two for a little bit until they, of course, lost. Uh, and that, that year ended with, I believe, LSU and Ohio State in the national championship. I think I could be wrong on that. Uh, but yeah, the th- four teams we had lose this week was number three, Oregon. Talked about them a little bit before. Losing to Stanford 31 24 in OT. Uh,. And uh, we also had Arkansas losing to Georgia, uh, 37-0, getting shut out. Not a good look for the Arkansas Razorbacks. Uh, Like I said before, I have a hat now of the Razorbacks, and 
I guess I may have jinxed him because they could not do anything. Uh, I've also had a lot of Georgia fans on Instagram and stuff try to say, like, you know, they do, like, the comparisons to positions or whatever. Someone said that Stetson Bennett, the mailman, is a better quarterback than Bo Nix. Whether you could make that argument maybe last year, but Stetson Bennett is not, they don't trust him to throw the ball against SEC opponents. The man had 72 passing yards against against Arkansas. It wasn't for their defense and their, like, five deep running backs. I don't think their offense moves the ball that well. Uh, Stetson Bennett is not a starting quarterback in the co- in college. Well, not not college football, more or less. He's not. No, he's not a starting quarterback in the SEC. It's like you can't call someone a better quarterback than uh than Bo Nix when Stetson Bennett is not even a starter. The man was a fourth string last year before all the injuries hit. And uh, going on to Notre Dame loses t- to my Cincinnati Bearcats. Let's go Bearcats, baby. Uh, this is a huge win for Cincinnati. Uh, I hope this puts them in the CFP conversation. I know it moved up to number five from number seven, but I'm really hoping that this is what they need, that Cincinnati just needs to go undefeated throughout the rest of the year. This should put the Bearcats in the CFP. We finally get a group of five team. Up until, you know, the CFP is like, oh, well, you know, they're not going to make us any money, so we're not going to put them in. More on that in a little while. Uh, and th- the final upset of that week was Florida, number ten in the nation. They have beaten uh, they've beaten Kentucky thirty three out of the last thirty four meetings. Make it thirty three out of the last thirty five meetings because the Kentucky Wildcats come up big, twenty to thirteen. Def- Kentucky's defense looks really good. Will Levis he looked good in some games. He's he's a good quarterback. I don't know how well I, I I'd have to like really look into it to see where I'd rank him, but I gotta say he looks a little bit better than Emory Jones. I know Emory Jones has played pretty well, but he's not he cannot throw the ball very well. He is I think the most picks in the SEC. I could be wrong on that, or he's up there. His touchdown to interception differential is just not good this year. Of course, they primarily use him as a runner, but I think you got to look more towards Anthony Richardson. Most of the time, they're freshmen they brought in. Dude is a monster. They he's such a monster. They gave him Tim Tebow's number. He is he looks exactly like what Tim what they wanted Cam Newton to be like once Tebow left. He is a Cam Newton clone, more so than I believe KJ Jefferson would be. Man can run. He has a rocket of an arm. I don't know why he's not starting, except for the fact that I think Dan Mullen is a bit stingy when it comes to quarterbacks. Like he said, I named Emory Jones my starter. He is my starter. We're not changing that. Up until, you know, they start playing well next year under AR-15, as Florida fans call him. I don't know why they're not giving him more uh, snaps. He's clearly as talented, if not more talented, than Emory Jones. And I think at points you have to go with the hot hand. When Emory Jones isn't moving the ball, you need to put him in and let him stay in. It's kind of like what uh, Harsons did with Bo Nix, where he put in T.J. Finley, which set a fire into Bo Nix, and then we got what we got against LSU, which was a a spectacle to watch, really. Uh, And I don't know – I'm just going to sound like a broken record right now, but I I just don't understand why he has not – either competed for the starting job or he's not competing for it or he's not making a push for it. 
Other than I just think Dan Mullen is just very stingy. He's a quarterback whisperer. We've seen this for years with his many quarterbacks that he's brought into like the public eye with like Alex Smith being a first first round pick. Dak Prescott turning into an MVP candidate or rookie of the year. Uh, I turned Tim Tebow into the highest winner that he is. He even turned Nick Fitzgerald into a very solid quarterback. And, of course, he turned Kyle Trask into uh, an, a Heisman finalist. Uh, hopefully we get to see Kyle Trask more on in the future, but, you know, he's still he's backing up Tom Brady, so he's probably going to be in the back. He's going to be in the, uh, the backup for a good while. And, uh, yeah, just move, moving on from that, I could – I could rant about Florida's quarterback situation for hours, probably. Uh, but I'm going to switch it from SEC team to another SEC team, Alabama. I said it last week. Uh, I think whoever won – I said whoever won the Ole Miss-Bama game, that quarterback was going to win the Heisman. And I think with a big win over Ole Miss, I think this pretty much cements Bryce Young as the Heisman winner even though maybe it shouldn't. The Heisman's supposed to go to the best player in college football. It doesn't. It goes to the best player on the best team. And right now, that's Bryce Young. And and even if Georgia jumps him, I don't even see – Georgia does not have a Heisman winner on their team right now unless they start going towards defensive players, which is not going to happen anytime soon. There's a reason there's only been one person to ever win that award on the defensive side of the ball. But Bryce Young, of course, 1,300 yards – 17 touchdowns, only two picks. He's not much of a runner. Uh, he he's more of your traditional. He's not a pocket passer either. He's a balanced quarterback. He he can make he can make a run if he wants to, but he can he's a great passer. I mean, of course, there's the argument that every quarterback can go into a Bama offense and just play very well. I think that's changed over the past few years, especially with Jalen Hurts. I feel like Jalen Hurts was a great playmaker. Tua could make plays. Even Mac Jones was making plays. I think this is just Bama kind of evolving with the times. They're getting more playmakers at quarterback, which is showing out with their NFL talent now. Uh, there was a reason that before Jalen, no Bama quarterback ever really got draft looks or even like competed for starting jobs or anything, except for Greg McElroy. But, of course, he went to the Jets. So, of course, they're going to try out anyone at quarterback. But you're saying uh, – uh, with looking at the quarterbacks at Bama, I think you can make the more more of an argument towards Georgia being the more, oh, we don't need that good of a quarterback. We just need someone who can just throw the ball. We saw that with uh, against Arkansas with Georgia where uh, Stetson Bennett didn't even throw the ball that much. He barely got any pass. He got 72 passing yards, which was not a lot. So, and they still like shut out Arkansas. It just shows that Arkansas is try or not Arkansas. Georgia's kind of shaping more towards what Bama used to be, of course, with less results. And their defense is great. Their offense is kind of lackluster at times. That's how Bama was back in the day before you know, with AJ McCarron and Greg McElroy and all of them. Now Georgia's shifting into that. Bama's going more into it. Let's make sure the offense is the primary like spectacle of this team the defense can be good but we'd rather the offense be great because that's kind of shifted to what college football is now is nowadays is it's a offensive game you want a team that is able to score points you want a team that's able to move the ball and that's what Bama's doing that's why they've been good for so long Nick Saban is as knows how to 
change with the times, and it has shown. Uh, and I, I kind of like I like that I I used to hate Bama a lot. Of course, every, I'm I hate Bama because I'm an Auburn fan. I kind of respect how well Nick Saban has shifted this team into where he's kind of the front runner of college football. Like everyone evolves with Alabama. Like once Auburn was able, once Auburn was running the ball over everybody, once Bama saw and stopped him, everyone's like, oh, well, this is how you can stop Gus Malzahn. You see what Bama did. So that's what they did. So Bama's kind of like the uh, the central of college football right now. I talked about it, uh, moving on to another team. I'm going to talk about Cincinnati some more because I love me some Bearcats. I talked about it a little bit with uh, Coastal in the first segment where uh, – it's a team that is beating beating group of five teams badly and just not getting any respect. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame and in Indiana, which got them respect, so now they're in the top five. But looking at the rest of their schedule, they have nothing but American conference teams left. And I think this is going to hinder their season. I think the CFP is going to look at this and be like, oh, well, you know, their strength of schedule isn't all that good. So maybe we shouldn't rank them at all. Or maybe we should drop them a little bit because, you know, you know, Ohio State beating uh, the Rutgers is a better win than Cincinnati beating, like, SMU or whatever. So, they're going to slowly just make – they're going to do what they did last year where Cincinnati was ranked high. And they were like, oh, well, you know, Cincinnati just beat an American Conference team. Maybe we can just move them back because Ohio State just beat a bad Pac-12 – a Big Ten team. And that's why – that's, of course, why you got Notre Dame and uh, Ohio State last year still in the CFP. Even though Ohio State kind of made a case for it because they beat Clemson, which – Started the downfall of Clemson. Uh, and speaking of Clemson, Clemson's dynasty is over. This is probably the last time we're probably going to see Clemson. Or the, this last year is probably the last year we're going to see Clemson as good as they are. I feel like they're going to be – they're going to about to shift more to maybe still winning the ACC, but not by – they're not going to be, like, like uh, consistently winning it. I feel like they're – recruiting has now came at an impasse where they're just unable to recruit what they need to. They're recruiting starters, but not depth, which is a terrible idea. And it's showing because you're having teams like NC state are just taking advantage of that and beating them in OT and Boston college was giving them fits. Georgia tech was giving them uh, fits. And I don't know who the, I forgot who they played next week or this week, but I think they're actually going to have a bye week, but it's, it's not a good look for Dabo Sweeney. I feel like he's he might be on it's gonna be take another bad season of this. It's gonna be on his way out, but it looks bad for Clemson. I mean, DJ Ongalalele, you could go ahead and call him a bust at this point because three touchdowns and and five game is is bad enough. But the fact that he's thrown three picks, he's throwing one touchdown for every pick, and he's only thrown. I I don't even remember how many he threw for like one touchdown against the FCS team and he threw for like one touchdown against uh, NC State and Boston and threw for one against NC State or Boston College. He got like three in a row. He's he's not a he's an athletic guy. He's an athletic quarterback. He's a good quarterback, but I feel like this team is just not built for uh, a player to succeed in that offense. Maybe it's him. Maybe it's a coaching. We'll never know. But it just looks that way right now. Uh, we're coming up on a break, and when we come back, I'm going to start talking about the NFL. We had some big headlines come out from yesterday and today. We'll be right back. Uh, welcome back. Starting uh, the second half of Tank Talks Football here on Wego 91.1 FM. And we had some big news just come up. I don't know if you could. Uh, I, I kind of caught me off guard whenever I was in the middle of the last segment. 
But uh, Stefan Gilmore, I think it said it was released this morning, but it turns out he actually got just got traded to the Carolina Panthers, which, you know what? I am a-okay with that as a Panthers fan. Uh, Stephon Gilmore, of course, is a four-time pro bowler for the uh, uh, New England Patriots. Now, once his uh, his contract comes up, he's going to be he was going to be expensive, so they definitely probably looking that way throughout the entire time. But now the Panthers have a all all round great corner on that team. That's going to be pairing with Dante Jackson. It's going to be pairing with C.J. Henderson, and whenever he comes back, J.C. Horn maybe hopefully for the playoffs. But I have to say, our defense is looking pretty dang good right now. I am loving being a Panthers fan this year. Didn't so much last year. Will be doing it for the rest of the year now. Hopefully we start getting on the local television. I hate that every time I turn on the TV, like last week, why would I want to watch the Falcons play the Washington football team, even though it actually turned out to be a good game? But, like, you'll get, like, the Falcons play the Giants around where I live. But it's like, oh, well, I know the I know the Panthers are playing like, the Cowboys or someone or another good team. You know, let's, let's, watch, uh, let's watch the one and two or one and three Falcons play the one and three New, New York Giants. I hate the local thing. I wish you could just choose. But, I mean, I'm not paying $100 for uh, an NFL streaming service. Uh, and also yesterday, the Cowboys released Jalen Smith after a uh, after they lost to I forgot they lost to, uh, but oh they didn't lose, they played the uh, Panthers, but they've released him because of how uh, how he was unable to cover a lot of the time, he was a liability in coverage, he was getting paid a lot of money, Cowboys released him, probably a good it's really it's a good decision, but I mean, Jalen Smith is a talented athletic linebacker and our team's gonna want him and I think he's a really good player he's played I think he played for Notre I think he was one of those Notre Dame linebackers that uh, got drafted really high but uh, I I think that a team is gonna get really lucky and uh, sign him and he's gonna play really good I feel like it's just a Cowboys scheme because I don't really trust the Cowboys uh, coaching staff I think it's one of the lesser ones. I feel like they have a good enough team to where it's they're just able to take advantage of that and win games, making Mike McCarthy look better than he really is. Because I mean, he he is not he has not looked good since uh, the Aaron Rodgers days. Even on the back end of that, he was not uh, not really a great coach. He's a good offensive mind, not a good coach. Uh, and we were also able to see the New York Jets with Zach Wilson notch their first win this year against my roommate's favorite team, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I got a good laugh out of it. It was really funny because he remember he was just texting me during the game. He's like, "Dude, we're going to overtime. Dude, we we just lost to the Jets," which is really funny, especially coming from a a team from a guy who doesn't really care about the Titans all that much. It's really funny. Uh, of course, the Titans were down both Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. But you know what? They still lost to the Jets. No matter what kind of excuse they pull up, they lost to the Jets. And I will use that for the rest of the year. Like, oh, we, we, yeah. Anytime he tries to make a comeback, if the Panthers lose a game, he tries to say it down. Like, oh, well, at least we didn't lose to the Jets or whatever. Which is going to be really funny. Uh, 
But uh, also, we had some other breaking news come up earlier. Uh, Justin Fields was just named the starting quarterback for the rest of the year. Uh, it seems that either Andy Dalton isn't completely healthy or they realize that Matt Nagy is a idiot, for lack of a better term, and tried to start uh, Andy Dalton for a whole year over Justin Fields, which why are you taking a guy in the in the top – not top – was he top 10? I think he was at 10 or he was uh, top 15. He's at least top 10. You don't take a guy – that high and not start him or at least try to push him in more and more because it just I cannot fathom ever looking at a like a talented quarterback like Justin Fields and Andy Dalton and be like oh well you know maybe we should go with Andy Dalton that is dumb it's a bad decision I don't know why you'd ever think about doing that uh and just thinking about it. I mean, it it's like when it's like I want I would make a comparison to Andy Dalton and uh Patrick Mahomes, but of course Patrick Mahomes was going to be a backup anyways cuz Alex Smith, but Alex Smith is nowhere near the same court uh Andy Dalton is nowhere near the same kind of quarterback that Alex Smith is. And kind of had had the same thing like Tyrod Taylor did last year where uh the quarterback he got hurt uh rookie came in, took the job from him. It kind of happened like that, but I don't know if this is as well as that case as uh, that as the Herbert is, because maybe there's a conspiracy there. Maybe someone accidentally just maybe they, it was an accident. Maybe it was on purpose about the whole Tyrod Taylor injury. But Andy Dalton has not been a good quarterback since like 2015, and I don't know why you'd ever think that. Oh, maybe we should go for this guy who's more of a pocket passer who doesn't like to move that much over this athletic guy who can run the ball, throw the ball, and can be a like weapon on the offense, but you'd rather go with Andy Dalton. It, I, it makes absolutely no sense to me. And speaking of absolutely making no sense to me, uh, Urban Meyer, man. What in the world is up with Urban Meyer? He is an enigma. Uh... Man, just he got caught on Saturday at a bar, getting dances with, getting dances and drinks with like coeds. In the, a same bar that has a mural of him and his wife hugging after like a Florida win. Like, dude, what are you doing? And he came, he's came out and said he apologized, but and he's not gonna resign or anything. But I mean, it kind of seems this kind of looks like an inside job. I mean, Urban Meyer is not shy of, uh, you know, sprinkling it. Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to retire for health reasons because, you know, my wife wants me to. And then he just comes back as another coach of another team. Uh, people kind of speculating that maybe he's doing this to get the USC job, which I wouldn't be shocked if he was. He's done it before. He'll do it again. It's not that shocking at this point, at least. Uh, but, man, that is a... Bad situation to be in, especially for a first-year coach. Like you can't, you can't just come back and be in the NFL and just go back to your same old tricks, man. It, I mean, last week he made a not last week, or sometime last week he made a comment about uh, what it, when someone asked him what it, what it's like to uh, play in the uh, coaching the NFL. It's like, oh, it's like we're playing Alabama every week. It's like, what did, did you expect the team to be easy? 
as you take over a one and fifteen team from the previous year, did you expect it to be just easy wins? Did you expect like I remember someone said made a joke and said, "Oh, well, did you expect to be playing Purdue every week?" Which is a funny comment considering that Purdue was one of the last teams to beat Urban Meyer when he was a college coach. But dude, what are you doing, Urban? What are you doing, man? You you're already not gazed upon as a as a uh, as a good person, and doing this, especially with your and especially in a bar where your the picture of you and your wife is very visible to every person there. I I, I don't get it. I don't I don't like his apology either. I think he, I I can never take Urban seriously when he apologizes because I can never. It's it's like when a kid apologizes, but you just know he's gonna go right back to doing it. It's the same concept with Urban. Uh, but keeping it up with the NFL, going to look at the Arizona Cardinals. Are they serious this year? Uh, of course, they're the last undefeated team. Kyler Murray is looking really good. They just shut down a team that looked unstoppable with the Rams. Uh, are the Cardinals a serious contender for the Super Bowl this year? I think so, but it'll it's a big. Uh, they. I'll have to see him play the uh, Bucks just to get a real grasp on if they can win the NFC because the Bucks, of course, have one of the better defenses in the, or one of the best defenses in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, I think the Cards are a great team. I think they're going to make a push for that uh, for the uh, NFC Championship, and maybe I I can't really think of an AFC team right now that I think is good enough to win. I mean, there's a few that I can see making it far because, you know, there's the Ravens, the Browns, uh, you know, the Bills. A bit, well, yeah, the Bills. I forgot, completely forgot about the Bills. Uh, I could see a Bills-Cardinals thing, which would be – that would be a fun Super Bowl to watch. You get Josh Allen versus Kyler Murray. That is a great game that I would love to watch at the Super Bowl because i got to be honest, these past few Super Bowls have been very boring to watch. I love an offensive game. I'm bored by a defensive game, and I spe- I did not like the uh, Patriots-Rams game. I did not like the, the – the Chiefs-49ers game was fun for, like, the fourth quarter, but the rest of the game was just not fun. And, of course, last year was just a blowout because Matt, uh, Patrick Mahomes just could not get, like, a second to think in the uh, backfield. Uh, but I'm going to say my – I know it's week five, but I'm going to give out my way-too-early MVP. To Justin Herbert, I think if he keeps up what he's doing right now, he's going to be one. He's probably going to be perceived as one of the best quarterbacks in Chargers history. Uh, but he's eleven hundred yards, nine touchdowns, three picks, three and one record. Just beat the Chiefs and the Raiders, which were teams that looked really good. I think the Chargers are going to probably make a. They're probably going to win the AFC East this year if they can keep it up and beat. They have to beat the Chiefs again, which is going to be hard. But, yeah, I can see Herbert definitely winning this uh, this year's MVP. And I'm going to go ahead and move on to – oh, well, i got one more thing to talk about. Uh, who who wins their first game, the Lions or the Jags? The last two teams that are uh, winless, really. The Lions' next five games are Minnesota, the Bengals, the Rams, the Eagles, and the Steelers. The Jags have to play the Titans, the Dolphins, the Seahawks, the Bills, and the Colts. Uh, I could see the Lions getting their first win, either against uh, Minnesota or Pitt. But I'm going to go with Minnesota right now for that game because I think Minnesota is probably the better team. They just have a bad record. 
But I think if the Lions are going to win the game, it's going to be against Pittsburgh. And I think if the Jags win the game, it's going to be against the Dolphins. So I think the Jags could win it first, but I would not be shocked if the Lions win it like five five games down the line. And we're coming up on the break. And when we when I come back, I will be going through my predictions for NFL Week 5 and College Football's Week 6. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the final quarter of Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Uh, Going to move on to my predictions. I have not been keeping track of them. I probably should be. But, you know, I'll, I'll get it all sorted next week. But I'm going to start off with my NFL predictions. I'm going to start off with Thursday Night Football. We have the, uh, almost to St. Louis, the Los Angeles Rams at Seattle. I believe this is a no question. Uh, Matthew Stafford is looking great. He's looking, he's getting, finally getting the respect that he really deserves. He's been an elite quarterback for years, but since he was on the Lions, kind of, people were kind of hesitant to call him an elite quarterback. But, yeah, of course I'm going to go with the, the Rams to win this game. I feel like they could win it big. I feel like they could win it close. I just don't see Seattle winning this game unless something awry happens. Uh, And then on Sunday, we get an 8.30 a.m. kickoff in London. Uh, we, And for some reason, we decided our London game was going to be the New York Jets versus the Atlanta Falcons. I will not be waking up at 8.30 to watch this game because this is a uh, this is just two bad teams playing each other. I don't know why they made this game the London game. I guess just to get both these bad teams out of the out of the country, just so they can settle it elsewhere. But I I have the Falcons. Not, you know what? No, I'm I'm not picking I'm not gonna pick the Falcons. I'm gonna pick the Jets. I like the Jets. Uh, I think Zach Wilson's going to go off. I don't like I don't like the Falcons' defense. The they the Falcons have been able to do pretty well with Cordell Patterson. Uh, he's been a great fantasy quarter uh, running back for people who were able to get him, unlike myself. Uh, but I think the Jets are going to prob are going to most likely win this game, especially after I, how I saw them play against the Titans. I think Zach Wilson's going to have a good game. Uh, it's all about can the Jets' defense shut down Cordell Patterson. But yeah, I'm going to go with the Jets. Uh, then we have the Packers at Cincinnati to play Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I, I'm i going to go with the upset here. I like the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow's been playing lights out. I think the Packers' defense is kind of not as good as they were last year. It's all about can the Bengals' defense stop Aaron Rodgers enough times. But, you know, I really like Cincinnati in this game, uh, especially because it's at Cincy. Uh, I trust Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow's looking like a, like a top-tier quarterback right now. Uh, and yeah, I have the Bengals. Uh, then we have the Broncos at the Steelers. We have one of the last undefeated teams versus the team that was undefeated last year. We have the fraud from this year, the fraud from last year playing each other. And you know what? The Steelers have not been playing well on offense. Big Ben needs to get cut, needs to get traded, needs to get replaced. One of those three. I have the Broncos. I think the Broncos have been playing more balanced, even though they just lost a game. Uh, I have them. I can see them winning. I see them winning this game more than I can see the Steelers win this game because the Steelers have just been not been playing good at all. Um, but yeah, and then we have Sunday Night Football: Bills at Chiefs. This is a uh, re- not, uh, it's not a rematch. They didn't play each other last, or maybe they did. Yeah, they did. This is the AFC Championship rematch: Josh Allen versus uh, Patrick Mahomes. I have the Bills. I think the Bills have, have been a more complete team. The Chiefs have been kind of uh, – they've been playing kind of inconsistently, both on defense and offense at times. 
especially last week's team with like with the Chargers and I forgot how they played this past week. It wasn't the Chargers. Uh but I don't see the Chiefs winning this game. I see the Bills winning it because I think their defense is better and I think their offense is a little bit better as well. And then finally for Monday Night Football, we have the Colts at the Ravens. I feel like this is not that hard of a choice. I just kind of picked it because, you know, it's Monday Night Football. So I'm going to go with the Ravens. Of course, I think this comes down to your quarterbacks. I think Lamar Jackson is a way better quarterback than Carson Wentz, especially because Carson Wentz is fresh off of two sprained ankles somehow. I think the Ravens' defense is better. Or I think the Colts' defense can be better. It's just the fact that their offense can move the ball, which I don't think they can. The Ravens' defense is really good, and the offense is even better. I think the Ravens are probably going to win this game by double digits, but that's just me. Right. And moving on to our my college football, I picked 10 games that I think are going to be, or at least in the top 10. Uh, first, we have Arizona State playing Stanford. I have the Sun Devils. I, I said it earlier in the show that Stanford is – very inconsistent at times, and it shows. Uh, since they played good last week, I'm going to go with them losing this week, which is pretty funny. Uh, then we have the Red River Rivalry, one of uh, a, a game where I think Texas has won the past. It wasn't. Is it three? Is it more than three? They 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 have a streak against Texas right now, but. For one game and one game only, I'm going to throw my horns up instead of down, and I'm going with the Longhorns to break the streak and beat Oklahoma, forever proving that Oklahoma is not that good. They just need to play one good team to knock them out of the top ten. That's what they needed. That's what Clemson needed when they lost NC State. They were just just in the top ten by a thread, and I think that's exactly how Oklahoma is right now. But give me the Longhorns. Uh, right after that, we have Ole Miss playing Arkansas, the two teams that lost to Bama and Georgia last week, now playing each other. I think this comes down to the defense. Uh, I think it comes down, no, it comes down to offense. I know Miss, Ole Miss does not have a good defense. Arkansas has a decent defense. But I think Ole Miss's offense is, is going to just overpower Arkansas's defense. I think it might be a close game where it could be a big or a, a blowout kind of thing. But I'm going to go with a close game, and I have Ole Miss over Arkansas. Then we have, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll say the Deep South Oldest Rivalry for last. Uh, we have BYU versus Boise State. I put this on here thinking that Boise State was kind of good. Looked at their schedule. They are not. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to go with BYU. just going to run through these now because I'm running out of time. I'm uh, going to go Iowa over Penn State, number three versus four. I think Iowa's defense is going to win the game. Uh, it's going to win this game for the Hawkeyes. Michigan playing Nebraska. I have the Wolverines are hot right now, and I and I can and I don't really trust the Cornhuskers to win a game like this. Uh, then we have Virginia Tech, six thirty kickoff. Enter Sandman to play the Nor- Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Give me the Hokies. Then we have we have our last three SEC games. We have Kentucky playing LSU. LSU's off of a loss. Kentucky's hot right now, off of an upset. They're undefeated. I think they're going to stay undefeated. Give me the Wildcats over the LSU Go Tigers. Uh, then we have a game that I know is going to be a blowout, but, I mean, it's just the history of this game alone. Uh, since I've joined the SEC, is fun to look at. Alabama playing A&M. And, of course, I'm going to go with Alabama. I'm probably going to say Alabama by like 30, 40. I don't trust A&M's offense to score, and I don't trust Texas A&M's defense to not be tired and, and somehow stop Bama's offense. 
And finally, before we end the show, the Deep South's oldest rivalry, Georgia traveling to Auburn. Uh, Georgia right now, I believe, is an, an 14, 15-point favorite right now. Uh, Auburn fresh off of breaking the streak against LSU. Georgia fresh off of a shutout against Arkansas. Georgia's defense is scary, and I think it's going to show. I have Georgia beating Auburn. It breaks my heart that it's going to happen, but Georgia's defense is too good for Auburn. Bo Nix is not going to get away with stuff like he did against LSU. I think Georgia wins this game. But yep, that's all the time we have. Uh, I will see all of you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Wednesday at noon on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.